own who you are, who you were born as, and work as hard as you need to to get to where you want to be. If you're a professional singer, want to know how to turn singing into a career, or simply love to hear stories from singers on the road, then The Working Singer is the podcast for you. I chat with pro singers about how they make a creative living in the music business, lending their talent to stars like Enrique Iglesias, The Killers, Elvis Costello, and more. They share life lessons, business advice, and how they make a living when they're off the road. We'll also discuss vocal health, technique, performance, coaching, and pretty much all things vocal. Elevate your approach to your singing career, get enlightened about what the pros do, and be inspired with new ideas that you can make your own. My name is Jamila Ford, and this is the Working Singer Podcast. Guys, I've mentioned to you how super impressed I've been with the ease of my singing voice since I started using the Vocal Mist Nebulizer. I've been doing online shows, and at first I was having a little bit of difficulty during my rehearsals. Quarantine had left my voice a little out of shape. I started to use the Vocal Mist Nebulizer as part of my vocal health routine, and I have to say the smoothness, facility, and tone that I like to hear in my voice is back. I've been having some awesome shows and have been so happy with how my voice sounds and feels. The Vocal Mist is perfect for singers of all levels, public speakers, teachers, and all professional voice users. Vocal Mist is a portable tool for getting rid of dry throat, alleviating allergies, and helping your voice stay in high performance shape. The specialized hydration formula is designed to help your voice feel great and minimize the chance of vocal injury by matching what your body already does internally. Vocal Mist Hydration Formula helps give your instrument a boost without any artificial additives. It helps take the pressure off the voice, meaning less vocal fatigue. It's travel friendly and USB rechargeable. Visit myvocalmist.com and use code WORKINGSINGER2020 at checkout to get $10 off your first order. That's all one word. Working Singer 2020. Welcome, 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 everybody. I am so happy that you're here. Thanks for joining me again this week. Um, I really do appreciate you listening. If you're listening while you're vacuuming or in the car on a long drive or you're just, you know, doing just doing your chores, I am very honored you're including me in this time. I truly am. Um, I'm so excited about our guest today, normally I would sit here and, and prattle on about um, how I caught up on the Jersey Housewives finally. Have you guys been watching that? What about Joe going off on Dolores the way he did? The nerve, the unmitigated gall, the audacity. Anyway, um, I'm not going to talk about Jersey Housewives. We are here to talk about singing, and so that's what we're going to do. <laughs> but I have a wonderful guest on today. Jaina Anderson, she has done everything. I mean, just she's worked with Prince. Um, they had a really close working relationship, and she talks about what she learned from that. Um, Don Henley, Stevie Nicks, Fleetwood Mac, just, you know, just, just some randoms <laughs> in the music industry. I am so excited to get into this. And we also, I was considering cutting some of this out because we did, we got personal as far as, um, you know, struggles and stuff like that. But I thought it could help you guys. So I decided to just leave it in, you know. Um, and I hope that you get something out of 
you know, what I share and of course what Jana shares, we met in a uh, clubhouse chat and um, I approached Jana about being on the show and she so kindly agreed to come on and tell her story. So I'm excited for you guys to meet the delightful, bubbly, and super kind Jaina Anderson. Jaina, welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm so excited that you are here. Thanks for joining. I'm so happy to be here. I've listened to some of your music recently and caught up with a little bit of your life. And so it's an honor to be here. And you're good friends with my really close friends in Los Angeles. So yeah. I love that I can make more in that beautiful circle. Yeah, wonderful. You know, I, I we got to meet, I guess, e-meet on um, Clubhouse and the Clubhouse app during like a, a singer discussion. Um, and I just loved everything that you had to say. And you just had a wonderful, oh. kind, um, bubbly energy. And um, I could tell, you know, just a good heart for singers. You know, you're... Um, a chief in the tribe. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, if we're not helping each other, yeah. what's the point of life? Exactly. You know, I know that, you know, lead singers can get a, a bad rap or even singers, women, you know, like a lot, a lot of other things, we can be called divas and I am the anti-diva. I fight that. I don't want to be that. I was even in a group with an with that in the name years ago, and I didn't like it then, but I just went along with it. Mm. <laughs> but no, I, I feel, and I don't really have anything against it if people do that, because I know it's all in fun. I just feel like I want to help people. I'm a vocal coach as well as a, as a professional singer in bands. And my whole family tree are teachers. Oh, you wonderful. know, my brother was a music teacher and, you know, my mom was a teacher. My dad was a pastor and he taught and he, they were all very musical. And so I just come from the heart, mm. like to the, it runs in my soul to want to help like the church would help and to want to inspire period. Yeah. Mm, yeah. And where, where are you from? Where'd you grow up? I was born in Swedish hospital in Minneapolis. And then I grew up in a suburb called Maple Grove in Minnesota. So pretty flat, beautiful meadows and farm fields. And I grew up playing on my aunts and uncles farms. And so I'm really kind of a country girl heart, you know, mm. kind of a worker bee like that and salt of the earth person. But I like the glamour, so that's the city girl in me. <laughs> Show business and makeup and, you know, all things girly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I wasn't afraid to, like, catch frogs and, and go mini biking or whatever it was I was doing, walking through a pasture in bare feet. So yeah. I'm very black and white as far as I kind of always have been. My mom always said, you need a little more gray. <laughs> So that's been my quest my whole life is like, yeah, and I think I found some of that. Yeah, we have to have layers, you know, it's, uh, that's, that's what makes us who we are, just uh, maybe these contradictions, yes. you know. So was your family? And we get, oh, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. 
I was just going to say that, you know, we would just snowmobile right out of the garage to the fields, but then I couldn't wait to make up my mom or myself or, you know, <laughs> and enjoy going to theater and, and musical shows. So that's, that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah. It, it, was your family, um, were they music fans and heavily into music and, and all of that? Yes, my dad sang like Bing Crosby and he would just bust out into a song in the middle of his sermons. Oh, and my mom, he just asked my mom spontaneously and she'd find the key and play piano to whatever hymn or whatever church song he decided he wanted to sing. <laughs> and my brother has perfect pitch. He has a master's degree in music. And I really learned how to sing by, I was the youngest child and we would take long car rides and we would just sing from Minnesota to California, you know, wow. or Florida or New York. We take like one or two week long vacations a year. And that's really the beginnings of my singing. Mm. I think a lot of singers, professional singers start in the church, which is what I did. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Although I always say like, you know, I was Catholic church and when we did like Latin, <laughs> Song. I didn't get that kind of church, but it made its way in. Um, well, it hasn't hurt you at all. No. You know, however you started. Yes. You're amazing. Thank so you. You found you found your layers, and Absolutely. all our background just gives us that um, personality and character in our voices. Absolutely, for sure. You know, it all makes us who we are. So how did you kind of flow into a music career? You're, you're, you know, grow up, your family loves music. You listen on the car rides and how do you get involved in the community? I had no idea how to become a professional singer and I didn't even have aspirations to it. I wanted to be a veterinarian oh, wow. my whole life. In fact, I didn't, they, I would go kicking and screaming to sing publicly. And I guess now we can identify that as, uh, singer anxiety or something. I don't know what to call it, but mm. I was too afraid to sing in front of people. It wasn't my thing. I didn't think I was good enough or whatever, you know? Mm. And when I was a senior in high school, I was voted most musical and best dressed. And then I was voted most musical with this piano player. So he asked me if I would start a duo with him when we graduated high school so i said sure jeff and i thought that would last for a year and then i'd go to college and then i was singing in a restaurant with him and the minnesota the um pageant miss minnesota pageant found me the whole group of people then i they said well do you want to you know you'd have to win a city you know you can give it a go they thought that i might be able to do that because talent in the Miss America affiliated is 50% of it. Mm. So they thought, I thought, well, I always say yes to everything. Everything I'm afraid of now, I just say yes to. Mm. So, so then the Miss Minnesota, I, I was a uh, first runner up to Miss Minnesota, but I was, I'm still the reigning Miss Invergrove Heights, which isn't the city I grew up in. You don't always have to be, <laughs> but they never had another pageant. But that gave me confidence because I, you know, you win a pageant or someone gives you a plaque saying you can actually sing, you know, or whatever, and you get in front of people. And then I started getting more addicted to it. Then that led to star search. That's how old I am. Oh, wow. <laughs> 89 and 90. And what did you say then on star search? I was on 
which song? Yeah. Or, or what did you say? My first song. Uh, did I mishear your question? Oh no! What song did you sing? I'm just curious. Oh, I sang the first song I sang was "I'd Rather Leave While I'm in Love," mm. and I I was um, so the woman who won Star Search the year before me, Linda Etter, she had an arranger in New York, and because she was a friend of mine, then I got the information, went out there, and he was hooked up with. Uh, a uh, guy who wrote Broadway musicals and hit songs for Whitney Houston. So he was kind of picking his songs. And honestly, I can't even remember the other songs because what I've learned, yeah. if you want to win something or get applause, you have to do a song people know. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> so the first one they knew, I don't remember, Rita Coolidge maybe sang it, or I don't know, from the <laughs> 70s when I was little. But I knew it enough to to do it on Star Search. I was most excited because one of the um, actors from All My Children was one of my judges. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> you remember? Did you ever like soaps? Oh, yeah, that was one of my that was one of the ones I loved to watch. Too. Which actor was it? Ellen. Ellen. She Wouldn't had she... the she was the mother of someone. Okay big, beautiful eyes. And I don't know. Yeah. But, but then the girl who beat me won the hundred thousand. So I'm always first runner up girl, first runner up to Miss Minnesota. And then the girl who beat me on star <laughs> search. And then she ended up um, being, I saw her on Oprah, I think with Mariah Carey as a background singer. So we ended up having the same career anyway. Oh, <laughs> I know. You know. <laughs> you know, you just go where people want you. I'm happy to show up anywhere. Yeah. That's you know? lovely. Yeah. So what would you say was, um, you know, after star, star search, then what, what happened? How did that evolve? That's where everything, that's where everything began. Yeah. That's where it gets exciting. Yes. I sat in with a band that was at the nightclub called Rupert's nightclub. It was famous. It held 500 people and it's where all the stars went to watch the band. Cause the band was so good mm -hmm. and they would just pluck people out for recording sessions, you know, like Jimmy jam and Terry Lewis wow. and the time and Andre Simone and Prince. So my first couple of weeks at Rupert's, we were on a, locally very successful TV show. And that's where Prince found me. Mm. Wow. And then once Prince found me, then word got out. And then pretty much everyone from Purple Rain had me doing demos or singing backups or, you know, something like that. And then eventually I worked with Prince for about five years. But in that time, there was another guy named Oliver Lieber who found me on the same TV show, or it was also, or else it was the Minnesota Music Awards that this same famous local famous band, Rupert's Orchestra. Mm -hmm. um, uh, he saw me there, so I ended up getting a record deal with Oliver Lieber, who discovered, or not discovered, but had, I don't know, at least three hits with Paula Abdul, "Forever Your Girl," "The Way That You Love Me," and "Opposites Attract." Wow. So I had a record deal with Sony Music with him, and I had to kind of choose Prince would call me at the studio. I sang on a bunch of things that he did, like a graffiti bridge soundtrack. And then he started writing songs. Well, he wrote a song called Jaina Jade's Army mm. that it wasn't released, but I, I just thought I was going to do pop dance and Prince was more interested in doing house music. And I don't know. Mm. It just kind of is uh, everything kind of mushed 
together and I just did whatever I could and was just so grateful. Yeah. I couldn't believe what was happening in my life in my early 20s, you know? That is amazing. What what was he like? What was it like to be in the studio with Prince? Well, you walk into the studio and it's decorated with scarves around like the perimeter of the the um, room where the console is. Yeah. And I, I, I found out, I mean, there are people who would decorate it for him. There were lava lamps and I would get there on time and a lot of other people we'd be recording with would be late or something like that. And he was just always very, very kind. He always smelled really great. Mm. I read something where I think it was his ex-wife said he would combine perfumes and colognes to make, you know, even he, I think I read like just store-bought ones, but the combination just made him smell amazing. He was dressed, I remember pinstriped overalls and he would have matching high heel boots. So it was one streamlined wow. outfit and, and he was always dressed. He was soft-spoken and he was very kind and very supportive. And honestly, I just, I don't know. No one ever called me, you know, soul sister number one. So I was a little surprised <laughs> that I worked with him that much, you yeah. know, wow. but, um, you know, he, he thought I was soulful cause I would just bust some things out and sing them. And he's like, what color are you from the waist down? Meaning that was soulful. That was like a compliment. Cause he could see my hands were white, you know? <laughs> so I, I was like, so I just thought, isn't that something? The little pastor's girl is sitting here elbow to elbow and he would usually be my engineer. I'm going, she's Louise. I don't deserve this, but I'll take it. That's you know? amazing. I mean, he's just, he was just one of those people who could do everything. He danced, he played like every instrument he engineered, which I'm not even sure I knew exactly, but I did read about it, you know, on your website, you had talked about that. And, um, yeah, please go ahead. Oh no, I'm happy to listen. Um, but I, I just, sometimes you get a couple of those things. If you're good, at, really good at one of those things, you know, it's, it's like luck, but it was just like, I think he seems like somebody who just did stuff. He just wanted to do things and he did them and he was fantastic at them. What did you like um, take from him, like learn from him and all those years working with him that, uh, you know, comes up for you today? Like, you know, how did he inform That's an easy, it's a you? very, very easy answer. Being really fast in the studio or fast anywhere when you're doing music, I think a lot of the reason mm. I've been hired as much as I have is that I'm quick. Mm. I have what I call singer shorthand. You know, I don't, t I can read music cause I did, I w I've been in 40 choirs and I played flute and piano so I can read music. But I would usually say, just give me the typed words. And then I would just do arrows up and down or squigglies for licks and runs. Yeah. I would do dot, 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 or a long line for hold this out. I would write BB for big breath, you know, all that stuff. Or with him, there often there really wasn't anything. He would just feed it to you. And then I just wanted to be asked back. So I would stand there and pray <laughs> and, uh. <laughs> and just go, God, please 
I know he's so fast. There's not an engineer in the world that's faster than Prince was. And you just go, like you said, you go, you can write the best songs, you sing great, you play great guitar, drums, all these instruments, you come up with great arrangements, like every dance great, everything, he, his style, even the way he dressed, everything. Yeah. And then you just go, really? You're the best engineer too? <laughs> you know, that was really fun. So yeah. what I took away from it was getting really fast because I wanted to be asked back. Mm. Oh my yep. gosh. That's incredible. Yeah. And you know, then he, he passed away and I, I can't even believe this, this is a world without Prince in it, but you know, tell me a little bit about, you know, how, what you experienced then, if you care to talk about that. I, I can, there's the way I found out, uh, was, a there's a fan who's, I, I don't really call anybody like my fans, I think they like who I sing with or, you know, whatever, but we, we become friends. I I'm very uncomfortable with feeling, calling someone a fan, but it was someone who is more attracted to my CDs or my music or the people I worked with their music mm -hmm. that got in touch with me on Facebook that I've never met. But then I trusted enough to give my cell phone number to, and he lives in Canada with his beautiful wife and kid. And, and he texted me, mm -hmm. he goes, do you, do you know that Prince passed away? So I would say shock yeah. for a good while going, it can't be because the way they say he died, you know, a drug overdose, which makes sense when, if you're in that much pain yeah. that, you know, you never think it's going to be you because one of the things about when I worked with him was I would eat gummy bears to stay awake. Cause I would do a five hour club gig mm -hmm. at Rupert's. And he put me on retainer so I wouldn't say no, but that meant I would have to show up at 1.30 in the morning. So I, I, I ate gummy bears and he told me how sugar was going to one day make, he, he did this spin and he goes, you know, Dana, you shouldn't eat all that sugar. One day you're gonna go to your car and go. Eh. And then he did a spin like he was dancing and he walked out of the room cool. And I just thought, well, okay, well, maybe I shouldn't eat the sugar. I'll bring some fruit next time. I don't know. <laughs> so the idea that he passed away the way he did shocks me. I feel sad. I feel like he is such an important voice with everything the world's going through yeah. right now. And I, I, I crave the music that would come out of him over the past five years or so yeah. i crave it because people would listen to him you know mm -hmm. so but he also was ahead of his time so maybe yeah. we just need to go back and read some of those lyrics absolutely. and it needs to be mainstream again absolutely i'm still sad about it you know i'm still sad about it me too me too um yeah, yeah just uh it's just incredible that you guys had that that friendship that relationship that working you know relationship and you just got to see that genius at work so amazing i i just yeah that's so cool well well when i i was i think what i was gonna say when i said i would get to the studio early is he would go where you where i was gonna soon be recording and we for an hour and a half I would sit on a couch and watch him go from instrument to instrument by himself. Yeah. So I have these half hour to 90 minute private concerts 
there would be someone else in the studio with us, even though he was running the buttons, there was always someone who had to be doing things or maybe if something broke, maybe ADAT machines back then, I don't know what it was, but yeah. yeah so, so we would just sit there and go, you kidding me? <laughs> okay. You know, we didn't have, we couldn't just go, can I bring my video camera next time? You know, wow. he's, he was very quite shy, a little funny hmm. and very supportive. He thought I was going to take someone off the map, like a singer that I was similar to. And he said that to me and I've not revealed really much of that, but I, I just, I don't know. There are a million people who should have been there instead of me, but it's not for me to choose. It's for me to say yes. And be oh, I love that. Grateful. It's not for me to choose. It's for me to say yes. That is brilliant. <laughs> That's a mic drop statement. I love that. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so, okay, cool. So Prince, and then who did you work with for it? Cause I I'm fans of, of both of these, um, these artists, their music and everything. Um, was Don Henley or Fleetwood Mac that you worked with first? Don Henley was first. Yeah. So I lost my record deal. Uh, my producer, we had all these great songs and I swear they'd be hits today because it's so long ago. That sound is back in the Bruno Mars song is what it was kind of like. Mm. Believe it or not, it wasn't just like Paula Abdul music. It was funkier a, a little bit, a little bit less pop, mm. a little more R&B. And, uh, and um, so when I lost that, I was asked to audition for a Kenny G. Peebo Bryson music video, a live video, concert video. It's called, the song was By the Time This Night Is Over. So I did that. And the reason I got the Don Henley gig was because from that one thing, Don Henley's tour manager was also Kenny G's tour manager. And he said, can I take your information? Don Henley needs a backup singer. And I sent it out a couple days later and then that began, then the tour began. So that was, I don't know, 90, 92 or I don't know, mm. it, at 93, not even sure. Um, and so then that was on and off for seven years. And Don asked me to sing on this song. We shared the microphone on a song called Miss Ghost on his Inside Jobs CD. And so we toured the States and we played for President Clinton twice. Mm -hmm. And we did Woodstock. And you want to know the coolest thing is Don Hanley has all these great friends who are famous icons that I love. So I got to sing backups for Stevie Wonder and Paul Simon and Don Henley all in the same show. And then there's another show. I know I was literally sitting around a grand piano with Mindy learning background vocals with Stevie Wonder playing going, really again? <laughs> and you know what, Jamila, I seriously go from these moments to singing for 10 to 200, 300 people in a bar. And I don't, I just don't have any ego mm. or anything. I have never, ever been the one who says, well, I'm at this level. So now I'm done with that. Mm. It's, it's always been back and forth the whole time and it's just all fun. So then that was on and off for seven years. And then August of 2003 is when I started with, 
Fleetwood Mac and Stevie Nicks, and they did tours opposite years of each other. So I kept consistently for six, seven years with them. Mm. Nicks, and they did tours opposite years of each other. So I kept consistently for six, seven years with them. Mm. Yeah. And what was it like? What was that like working with uh, Stevie Nicks and Fleetwood Mac? Amazing. They're really nice. And I stayed at Stevie's house for a week. And so she, you know what? I don't think I've ever, I don't know if I ever told anyone. When I stayed at her house, she said, I like imitating her voice. So it's like, Jaina, these are the original boots, <laughs> you know, from the original CD. So oh. she goes, basically go play dress up with them. So I did, and I have pictures of it that I've not released. Oh. So it was friendly like that. I walked into her mansion and she said, leave your bags, come up here and talk with me. So overlooking the Pacific Ocean, she, we just, she just started telling me about the loves of her life and all this stuff. Yeah. They would let me record videotape you know, interviewing them, like Lindsay Buckingham. Mm -hmm. I would sit and chat with them. Um, they would take private airplanes at first, and then we went to tour buses, and then they had a smaller plane. But they are just real people that make you feel real, like you're welcome, mm -hmm. you know? I would say Lindsay um, has this electric energy just all the time in rehearsals and everything. Stevie's kind of this, she's this iconic rocker, but she'll walk around with rollers in her hair, people maybe even taking pictures, and she's just real. Mm. And then they just get on stage, and it's just, I'll tell you what, I lived the moment, because then I was old enough to go, do not let a moment go by where you're not taking it in. Mm. And... Is there anything specific you want to know about working with them? Because mm, I don't know. Gosh. You know, you want to know their personalities. You want to know how it felt musically, how they conducted rehearsals, where we rehearsed, like what, what's interesting to you or what's gosh. interesting to the viewers? Because I don't want to rattle on. Oh, on I mean, before. you know, how you took it in. How did they do rehearsals? Um, you know like little details you may never find out like that. Yeah. Well, we would rehearse at movie sound stages. So most of the time we were rehearsing where they literally filmed The Wizard of Oz. And then it would say, you know, a list of it on the door, like, uh, you know, Mariah Carey videos and just all these famous movies that are household names. Mm. And you just are in the energy of all that. So that's cool. It's enormous. There would be tables full of catering food. There was also a place we could go for um, like a lunch where we sit down in a lunch room type thing. And it would be pockets of waiting and waiting for them to get lighting right, you know, because these long rehearsals weren't just for re remembering the words or getting the harmonies tight or the musicians tight and picking out parts, but their lighting show is amazing. So there was a lot of waiting around, but we were such great friends mm. that, I mean, not just me and the stars, I didn't like chum around with the stars in there typically, but the musicians in the background like me, yeah. we just, we, we also um, took our, our off days when we were touring 
and we would see the world like we were on vacation. I mean, I lived, Jamila. I lived like I would work hard and play hard day after day. Yeah. And just loved every second of that. What did you, uh, uh, I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt, but like that makes me think of what did you learn about work ethic, I guess, in a situation like that? They all have different work ethics. Mm. Prince, I would say is probably the hardest. It seems like from the rumors, because remember he's in Minneapolis where I live and where I'm from. I did live in California for about 10 years mm -hmm. when I worked with these people at different times. But so I have a lot of friends here who worked with him. And so when they would rehearse with him, they would say it was tough. Mm -hmm. You know, it was perfectionism. Mm -hmm. With Don Henley, they were long days, but it wasn't, um, it didn't feel grueling or anything like that. You know, we had breaks to eat and snack, but I would say he would be second in line with like harder uh, rehearsals and Fleetwood Mac, we would rehearse several days, but they're, they were, they're just like hippies in a way. And it was relaxed. Mm. If we're on stage and the music's going, it's not relaxed, but you know, one day we'd come in at four and one day we'd come in at 11. So I could just go hang out at the beach for half a day. And then some days it would be six days a week. Mm. So I think they all have, I would say what I learned from the three of them is you have to have great songs and that's what makes you famous and your work ethic. You know, some people need a, a stronger work ethic because they need to become better. I feel like I have to work harder to do the same thing that someone born with like natural ability to, you know, perfect pitch or playing the piano or a more flexible voice or, you know, whatever mm -hmm. I've, you know, so I think what you work is like own who you are, who you were born as and work as hard as you need to, to get to where you want to be. Mm. And I think that's what the three of those legends did. Mm. And then I think some of them are, um, I'm trying not to tell secrets about other acts that I know. Some of them, some icons you know of that I didn't work with, but I got people gigs for, that star would do the entire show and then the whole show for the people at the arena. Mm. Can you imagine doing two full shows as the star? Wow. You know, so that's a different work ethic. Mm. But since I didn't work with that person, I don't want to tell secrets, but yeah, so. Yeah. They were all fun though. I never, you know, they were all perfectionists. I came in for Fleetwood Mac, Mindy Stein, who I also toured with Don Henley with, who are, she's good friends with Melanie as well. Yeah. Uh, I think I introduced them for this big gig in Santa Barbara. I was friends with Jeff Berry, who's written tons of hits, but I had, to, she was eight months pregnant and I had to come in and replace her. And I had one run through where they've been, they've been doing these songs for decades and she'd been singing with them for years. So here's a work ethic. I had two weeks to learn two hours and 40 minutes of music and small background singer, you know, like just, you know, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. But if it was this, it had to be right. Mm. And they were recording their first DVD in 10 years. 
in two weeks after I started. And I remember Stevie telling me, you know, I'm glad you stayed because Lindsay said, if it's not seamless, Jane is gone. And so I stayed. So I had to work really hard. Oh, wow. So there's a lot of different aspects of work ethic and inside scoop yeah. that I probably never told anyone. Yeah. You're getting a juice, Jamila. <laughs> Well, you know, I think it's like these, these are kinds of the details, you know, somebody who's like not in the world of singing, you know, they don't, they don't know that it involves stuff like that. And it can be, <laughs> you know, I think also that, that um, people think being the background singer is like way easier because you're not in front and stuff like that, you know. What do you think is harder it's, about being, because <laughs> I think it's harder in some ways, in, in, you know, in a lot of ways. Well, it, it depends on how you look at it. The vocal strain and exhaustion of singing backgrounds is nothing compared to most of the songs I sing like one or two leads in. Yeah. In a, the, a theater show that I'm in now is way harder than a two hour and 40 minute show. But backgrounds, here's the difference. Background singing, you have to be perfect. You can't mess up any notes or your job is on the line every single show. Where your friends that you sing, you know, I'm in these really cool tribute shows. It's a big thing in Minneapolis. I don't know if it is around the country, yeah. but my friend isn't gonna fire me if I forgot a few words or sang the wrong background. Because we share singing leads and backgrounds for these tribute shows, but that's, there's a lot of pressure a lot of pressure. People are videotaping you. They can point you out and go, she doesn't belong with them. You know, there's that pressure. That's what I find is the hardest about being a background singer. Mm. Uh, and then packing every day or every other day. Mm. The exhaustion of city to city. And, you know, one day your, your bus ride or plane ride, you know, can be 21 hours and one day it's three hours and you just have to adjust your time clock yeah. and be as sparkly for them as if you had a full night of sleep. What have you done to care for yourself? Like when you're on the road? I would say sleep and naps. I would say I don't whisper if I'm watching a sports event, I never yell. I do like a singer's yell and I teach that to my students like, yay, you know, <laughs> instead of the instinct where you want to just that blood curdling, you know, yeah. you can't do that anymore. So when you're working that much, it's constant self-care. Yeah. And that's one of the things the pandemic has done for me is recognize I've been overworking for so long and I just go, I don't need the money so much that I can never have a two hour conversation with anyone over any weekend and Sunday and Mondays are about re restoration, mm -hmm. you know? So, um, and I always warm up. It's mm. at least 40 minutes. Mm. That's my care. I don't wear a scarf constantly. I don't, you know, refrain from sugar every day or whatever, but I definitely don't do dairy before shows, you know, mm -hmm. or at all, you know, for like six hours before it. So other than that, that's my self-care rest and more rest. 
Um, I think there's something, have you had a, a period like in your career where there was no work and um, you had to deal with that? When I moved back to Minneapolis in 2001, mm -hmm. I had to rebuild. Because remember, well, I graduated, I don't really care if people know my age, whatever. Um, so I graduated high school in 85. Mm -hmm. And I worked with the best in Minneapolis for a good chunk of time. Then I got my record deal. And there's another section in my musical career of who I wrote songs with, who had seven songs on Mariah Carey's first record that he wrote with her. Mm. There's a whole section of that that's always left out of every interview. Mm. Sometimes I think I do that on purpose and part of me is going, I'm old now, whatever, you know? Mm. <laughs> so um, um, there, was a, there, there were times where I wasn't performing because I was either writing songs or I had just moved somewhere and I, here's how I, and, and then when I moved to Santa Barbara, I didn't know anybody. I built that from the ground up and I still have a band out there that I can get up and running. I did a few years ago even, mm. and it's called Jaina and the One. And both Melanie and Felice have sung in that. And we've had a blast, mostly mm. Felice, but you know what? When nobody has a gig for me, I start my own bands. I have a country CD mm. on iTunes. I have a jazz CD. And, and then I just start something from scratch and get to rehearsing mm. and just make it happen on my own. I'm not someone who lives in self pity and I'm not someone who has to wait mm. to be asked. I wait a little to be asked. <laughs> and if the positions are all filled or I'm not their cup of tea, I'm like, well, I'll just make my own teapot. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I'm going to get a kiln and I'm going to learn how to pot. <laughs> be a <potter>. yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. You have to, you know? I think you have to. And I, I have been on this in my head. I haven't said this to anybody, but you know, I don't think that, uh, you know, self-pity is not a, a good um, ingredient for a career or a life. And I know I've got stuck in that myself and, you know, um, the past couple of years, I've had to um, acknowledge that, I guess, for myself. I didn't even know that's what that was, you know, until I was talking to a friend and she was, and she happened to mention, she didn't say, you're self-pitying, but she did say, you know, that's an element that can re really, you know, um, stall things for a person. Then I thought, oh, <laughs> you know? Oh, that thing. <laughs> is that what we're that not, is? We're not, we're not born identifying what our emotions are mm. and Oprah kind of started it at least for me in the 80s yeah. where she started having psychologists on and identifying it and that helped but still I wasn't there yet I was still so young and then you know you move along in life and then you talk you know I like surrounding myself with smart people who can teach me things and I've always been curious and so mm. if I can asks i'm i'm really good at asking for help mm. i don't feel it makes me a lesser singer i don't feel it makes me a lesser person because what i noticed i don't know 15 years ago or so people want to feel needed and so if you never ask anyone for anything 
first of all, how are they ever going to know you need a gig or you need emotional help? Mm. So I, I identified, I'm like, well, how come, like, come to me. I want to feel needed. And if you don't have children, it becomes really obvious that you want to be needed. Mm. And so I've been, I've had more time for people. Sometimes I'm very trustworthy. I don't find any joy in sharing secrets. I'm a great secret keeper. And I also live the golden rule, which is really biblical, mm. you know? So gossip isn't a big thing for me. Telling secrets isn't a big thing for me. And then identifying what I'm going through. So here's what I feel about what you said. If you don't have any self-pity, you're not identifying that you feel bad. You're shoving it under the rug and it's going to show itself somewhere in some relationship at some point, mm -hmm. or you're going to have an attitude or self-entitlement in the bands. It's either going to be, well, finally, someone realizes the star I am, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, or you're just not going to work and you're always going to be waiting for someone and you're beautiful, you're talented, you're smart. Mm. And, and so I would encourage you to start whatever it is that you want. Mm. And, and like for net, for example, now I know of you, I wouldn't have known of you if I hadn't done that panel with you, Yeah, you know, and I'm, I know I'm going to make it to California again here and there. And you know, people like me, or I, I put one of your recordings on my Facebook page last night. Oh, you did. Did you know that? I didn't know that. You, Thank you. I've been, girl, I've been writing about you for day, the last few days oh. or a week. I don't know what it's been. I've lost track of time. <laughs> so now I have all these people who might be wanting to be friends of you and lots of them are musicians. And, you know, I want people to know about you and I know you're sweet. And I, you know, I think that you just need to go, I can live in self-pity for a minute. Now that minute could be a day. It could be a week. It could be a month. It depends on your finances, I guess. <laughs> how long you get to play How long can I be under my bed? <laughs> just yeah. kidding. How long can I afford this? <laughs> so, and then, and then you go, this is pathetic because I'm not being productive. Yeah. And then you acknowledge that you have so much to give the world. Mm. My day is brighter because I know you. And it was the day we did that podcast. And I know it will be going forward, oh. you know? Thank you. So Thank what, you. what do you want to do? This, this podcast, this doesn't have to be about me. I never even know. Do you want to know how I've done it? Or can I interview you back? <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't know what I'm allowed for. And I, it's definitely not any situation I'm in, I don't want just to be about me. Oh. What do you want? And the people that I know yeah. who live in LA, Santa Barbara are here. What do you, do you want? Like, how can I help you? Oh gosh. You know, I mean, you're helping just by being here and, and talking and telling your story and humanizing, you know, yourself, because, you know, if I were just to read about you and everything that you'd done, I'd be, you know, probably intimidated if I wasn't, you know, in interviewing you and engaging in a conversation. And like, to me, this is like outreach, you know, and I know, you know, many singers listen to this. Um, you know, there was a period of my life where I, gosh, what do I want to say where I didn't reach out to people and I didn't tell them when I was doing badly, 
you know, and this is a period where I do do that. And I've said a lot of things on this podcast where I'm like, oh my God, did I just like say that and like release it to like all these people that I, you know, but it's fine because I'm human, you know, um, and we all are. And I think it's just, to me, it's just helpful to talk and have these conversations and, and, you know, know that, um, I, I guess I'm normal, I suppose, you know, <laughs> that there are people you, who go through things and. Oh, for sure. Yeah. It's, it's, well, also here's the other thing, Jamila, we are paid and trained or trained ourselves to constantly have our nerves and emotions raw, because if we don't surrender while we are singing, while we are talking to the audience, they aren't going to feel it. It's going to be a robotic experience. Oh, she's saying it just like the record. Oh, this, oh, that. But then there's another thing where you go, I want to connect and we all have to be braver and just go, I kind of go into it where I don't expect anybody to compliment me or even like my voice. I just go into it where it's like, God, mm. you gave me this, sing or speak through me and let me be an example of your word and my faith mm. and caring about human beings and making them feel welcomed in the way that I want to feel. Mm. And if they're entertained by it, fabulous. So I just lay it out there. I don't care if my face is all squished when I'm singing or like, ah, to get a certain note. I don't care what's going on. You know, the whole double chin thing, you know, <laughs> it's like whatever I have to do I just let go and let me look like the way I'm going to look like and let whoever wants to be in my world be in my world. And I just, I don't let anybody, nobody's excluded, you know, from my world. And we are all human. And maybe, maybe somebody in your past, like squished you down, yeah. you know, especially women. Like when you sing with some women, I've had people say, oh, you're just TNA or, oh, you don't deserve this. Or I literally had a girl try and push me off the stage. And this is like a year ago, January, two years what? ago, January. Like we're grown women in our fifties. <laughs> what? And she said, she said, get your mother effing hair out of my face. Be, and I just I didn't fight back. I just literally, and this is like two years ago only. I just sang the rest of the night. I didn't swear back. I sang the rest of the night, and this is someone I think is a great singer. I sang the rest of the night off the stage where people go outside to smoke. Yeah. I had no monitor, or I sang on the dance floor and just tried to not have feedback, and just got through the night. And it's stuff like that that can beat you down beat you down yeah. and you just go, this is what I'm given today and I'm going to act with grace. And so if somebody's that you respect is beating you down and you never had a fight to deal with before, you just go, that's not who you want me to be isn't who I am. And you just have to tell yourself, mm. who am I and act that way, you mm. know? And you, I heard you sing last night you have this beautiful, sultry, soulful voice mm. that, you know, people need to know about. Mm. Ask for what you want. Mm. I did that earlier this year. I mean, I was already on three tribute shows and I said, I want more. So I told this other locally famous singer, I said, I want to be 
And this was at an essential oils, doTERRA. I love doTERRA essential oils. So it was at an essential oils thing. And I just looked at her and I just go, can I sing backgrounds in one of your shows or, you know? So then she asked, she goes, well, you said you wanted to. So do you want to sing backgrounds in this tribute? You know, my boyfriend sings and I'm like, yeah. But then the pandemic happened, but that was an, that was a perfect example, you know? Let me ask you, I guess this one last thing, um, just about mindset, you know, having a healthy mindset. Um, what is your advice for singers as far as that goes? What are your thoughts on it? As far as which category, work ethic, rejection, how to uh, overcome people who want to push you off the stage? <laughs> <laughs> Literally. All, you know, I feel like there has to be like sort of a foundation you know i was saying this to somebody the other day i I think to to deal with all of that and keep moving forward there has to be just a um a grounding you know to move through all of that and how would you suggest somebody um get themselves there and if they can't stay there get back there again you know (laughs) I would say one of the things that makes me feel good about myself is putting in the work and the effort. It's not just, I was born with this talent. Why doesn't everybody else see it? Mm. But what am I contributing? It's kind of the same mindset. Here's, here's something that I try to tell, tell people who say, no one ever asks me to do anything. Why don't I have a relationship? Why don't I this, why don't that? And I always say, well how often are you reaching out to other people Mm. everyone not everyone but a lot of us if you're not a little bit more enlightened are always waiting to just people make my ego feel good well what are you doing for other people call call people the mindset for me is reach out to people which you're good at obviously i'm here um my mindset is work hard and be prepared. I have, I have literally worked hundreds of hours for beach tributes. I was in a Motown tribute. I'm currently in like, you asked what I was doing. We just sold, we just had almost three sold out, two sold out, almost a third sold out show, a tribute to Carol King, Joni Mitchell and Carly Simon. Mm. I'm in an Aretha Franklin tribute. I'm in an eighties tribute. I was in a Natalie Cole Unforgettable album tribute. I was in a Jackson's tribute. I literally learned the Janet Jackson steps by myself with, I have no vo- I have no vocal training and no dance training. And I've danced on the Tonight Show and all those shows, hip hop dancing in all black bands going, I just can't say no, just fire me if I'm not good enough. Mm. So the mindset is, you work hard, you create it, you reach out to people. Because if you do that, you're not even going to have time for a pity party because you're too busy learning country music, jazz music, Motown music. So when the, when the, I, every gig I've gotten that was been big, I've, it started with me being found in a bar. Wow. So put your music out there, find people and friends who know more than you about it and how to get it out there sing everywhere and i don't care if it's a you know for a funeral or a wedding 
you make connections and then those piano players who also want to make money you're like holy cow i didn't know you were connected to all these people then they start hiring you so and then i'm not a big drinker i've never been drunk i've never tried any drugs i've never tried pot or a cigarette or anything um i'm not i'm like a spicy girl with my personality type but i don't find defiance as a superpower you know, yeah. I find it self-defeating and I always want to know how I feel and I never want to numb it. So if you're going to do those things, you better know if you have an addictive personality or not, because that will tank you. And Stevie Nicks, I know she's been on TV. She said it to me herself. If I'd have done one more hit of cocaine up my nose, the doctor said my nose would have collapsed. Yeah. So you have to know who you are and then put your ego away have enough ego to get out there and be brave and give your all and surrender completely with every song. Know what's know what you're singing about. Um, there's a couple friends and they say, are you singing for the song or are you singing for yourself? Mm. What are you singing about? You know, I'm not a singer. If you come and hear me do one style or one thing, you're going to go, mm, she's all right. You know, yeah, mm. she, whatever. But then if you hear, I'm not willing to do the whole Patti LaBelle trip or that mentality, not that I sing like her, but I mean like put everything in the kitchen sink and every song just in case the record company president is sitting in the bar or on Instagram that day or whatever. I wanna honor the songs. Mm. I wanna honor the songs. And I wanna call to myself the kind of people that have like-minded spirits. Yes. I love that so much. I love that. And if they if they're if they're in a place of weakness or ego, but we have a similar spirit, maybe I can help guide you and say don't ever talk about yourself like that again and tell me why you're talking about yourself like that. Mm. Why do you know even recently there's someone it's not even in the music industry that said do you know who i am <laughs> i'm not going to spend any time with someone like that who are you <laughs> who are no one should feel that way mm. nobody we are all human beings and even the biggest in the world still feel the lowest of the low exactly like yours and my lowest of low days but some of us are better at getting on stage and surrendering honestly, or masking it, or taking a chemical to mask it. Mm. And that can come with training where people aren't gonna know, but then you go to your room and you go, who am I? If you go to your last day, the day you're gonna die, and my father just died November 10th, and he, he and my mom are my soulmates. So this is very fresh for me. I'm so sorry. He's the best man I will ever know in every category. Mm. Um, his, his character is what I'm speaking to. Mm. He started with my mom, a charity here that now gives hundreds of thousands of meals out and clothes. It's a hand up, not a handout thing. And they were the first church in this, the community. And everything was always about what can I do for you? Mm. But he didn't take crap from people either. There was someone who asked for money from him at the church. And so he gave him five bucks, which was a lot to us in the 70s, mm. you know, with three kids. And we had a woman living with us from Africa and everything like that. Um, 
But then he went uptown to get some milk or something, and he saw that guy in the liquor store, and he said, give me my money back. Wow. That's not what the money was for. So he didn't take guff from people, in his words, guff. Maybe that's a Minnesota term. I don't know. I've heard it. But, <laughs> yeah. Okay, good. So, um, so go to your last day. And I saw my father's. I literally didn't leave his side for days. Mm. And I, I woke up and I literally saw his last three breaths. So when I think of that being me, live your life in reverse. What steps, what character, what choices do you want to make? What joy do you want to give? What joy do you want to feel to that last day? Who do you want to be? Because there are no U-Hauls behind the hearse, you know? So, so who do you want to be and then live your life in reverse and make your life choices based on that? So for me, I want to be a lover of life, a lover of people. I just saw, I watched Mm -hmm. a video of my dad and he, he, you know, it was the last six months he was living and he was smiling. He's like, you're a lover and a peacemaker. That's who you are. And that's what you're going out in the world. That's who you are. And that's who I want to be. So when I'm in music, I do that. If I'm doing essential oils, I do that. If I'm teaching, I do that. If I'm just at a, like last night, this lady that um, returned this item that was broken she and I connected and I wrote two raid reviews for her. Take the time, write a review for someone. It might make a difference in their day or their life or their job security, you know? Mm. Live, live for your last day. Make yourself proud and you're gonna have a happy life and a happy journey. Mm. Jaina, thank you so much. This was so My wonderful. Pleasure. This was so wonderful. Can you tell us again where we can find you online? Yes. J- well, my website is janaandersonmusic.com. Yeah. But you know what? Um, you, my YouTube channel, Jana, I think it's Jana Anderson Music. I do have Instagram and Twitter. Prince, I think, on t- I don't even know. I need to, I'm just starting my social media <laughs> with my record company. <laughs> which is why I'm doing it, yeah. not to be a mogul. Um, Prince, like Jaina Jade's Army, I think, is Twitter or Instagram. I don't know. But if you search J-A-N-A Anderson, S-O-N, comma, singer, comma, Minneapolis or Santa Barbara, you'll find all kinds of stuff. And Or just Jaina Anderson Facebook or Jaina Anderson Music Facebook. I don't care. <laughs> find me and I'll be friends with anybody. Awesome. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Uh, People are going to get so much out of this. Thank you again. It is my pleasure. You're a light, Jamila. This podcast, this podcast is not just for singers and what to do and how to do it. You're making a difference. Your vulnerability and your expertise and your sincerity comes through beyond just your beautiful face. So keep, keep that in mind. The bigger picture is who you are and you can go as far as you want. You know, you can't do everything you want in life. I've learned that, but you, you can go really far and reach the the dreams that you want. And then I always say baby steps. That's my quote. Baby steps can get you to the same destination as leapfrog. 
And so I've gotten really good at baby steps and patience. Mm. So you just make one mark every day. And I look forward to following you and being a better friend or hopefully maybe getting to sing with you one day. Uh, Me too. That'd be a big honor. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Well, guys, I so hope you enjoyed that. I certainly did. Um, I've been thinking about this conversation for the past couple of days since we had it. And it was so affecting to me. And I really hope that... um, I hope that it was helpful to you. So here we go with the singing lessons. Number one, it's not for me to choose. It's for me to say yes. Number two, you have to have great songs and that's what makes you famous. Number three, own who you are, who you were born as, and work as hard as you need to to get to where you want to be. Number four, be prepared. Number five, Put your music out there. Sing everywhere. Number six, you have to know who you are and put your ego away. Number seven, give your all and surrender completely with every song. Know what you're singing about. Number eight, I want to call to myself the kind of people who have like-minded spirits. I just love that. Number nine, who do you want to be? There are no U-Hauls behind the hearse. Number 10, live for your last day. Make yourself proud and you're going to have a happy life and a happy journey. Guys, again, I hope that you enjoyed that. Jaina is such a wonderful human being and just somebody I'm so glad I was able to e-meet. I'm sure we'll meet in person someday and hopefully soon. Um, Just a wonderful lady. Um, So we are wrapping up (laughs) this episode But uh, I want to let you know that you can find this and other episodes at theworkingsingerpodcast.com. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts. It helps other singers like you to find the show. And if you'd like to hear from me, you can find me on Instagram at uh, theworkingsingerpodcast or at Jamila Ford Music. I post there almost daily. Um, join our Facebook group, the Working Singer Podcast community, and like the Working Singer Podcast Facebook page. And I've got a lot for you to do. I hope you're writing this down. <laughs> anyway, you guys, um, I really do hope you enjoyed the episode. Lots coming up, lots of good stuff. So keep tuning in. I do love you. I appreciate you. And I will talk to you again next week. <laughs>